Good morning, friends. It's good to see everyone here this morning. My name is Ryan, lead pastor at Radiant Life. And for those that are guests with us, welcome. For you that call Radiant Life your regular church, we want to welcome you as well. And we are on our summer series titled 10, and we've been looking at the 10 commandments, those big 10 commandments, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're kicking the tires about God and not really knowing who this God is, you probably have ran across the 10 commandments. And we are in week 10 or 11, I could lost track now, but we are venturing. Next week, we will wrap up our series together. I really pray and hope you invite someone next week. Even though this week, is the last of the commandments. We will cover commandment number 10. Some of you had left only 10 blank pages in your notes, one per week. And I said, but there's still going to be one more week, all right? So if you got an extra spot, there you go. One of the first questions I asked you when we kicked off this series is, can you name the 10 commandments? So I'm going to ask you again, can you name the 10 commandments? So turn to those around you or those that you came with to church this morning, you have 30 seconds to see if you can name the Ten Commandments. Ready, go. Three, two, one, time. 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 <laughs> How many of you got it? You're like, we nailed it. Just a couple, a couple. Here they are, paraphrased for you. No other gods, no graven images. Do not misuse the Lord's name. Keep the Sabbath holy. Everyone's like, ah, that's the one I miss right there. Honor your father and mother, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie. And then today we are covering number 10, do not covet. But we've been exploring all these all summer long, the first two, no other gods, no graven images, that God has brought his people. They're not called Israelites yet, they're known as the Hebrew people. Out of 430 years of slavery, he brought them out of bondage and says, I'm to be your one and only God, no other gods. Four generations, 400 plus years of Egyptian gods, 1,500 plus gods that they worshipped, and they are coming out of that culture, and God's saying, I'm to be your one and only, no other gods before me. Do not misuse the Lord's name. We talked about that idea of carrying the Lord's name well, that the Israelites were to represent who God is to all the people now, now that they're out of slavery, into freedom to be my representation. We talked about the idea of wearing the jersey, and on the back, it's not our name. It's God's name on the back of our jersey, and we're to carry his name well. Keep the Sabbath holy. We live in a culture that honors work and hard work 24-7. Everything's always going, and this is where God's saying, I will honor work, but I also honor rest. Take one day a week, set apart, it's holy, that looks completely different, and just rest. Honor your father and mother when it's difficult, when they've been that pain in your side, you are still to honor them in everything. And as we grow older, the way we do that looks different as we were an eight-year-old to a 40-year-old to an 80-year-old. It all looks different. 
Do not murder. Many of us aren't thinking we're going to physically murder, but the half-brother of Jesus, James, writes that it's with our tongue that can spark a forest fire. And when we speak, we know what a forest fire does. It destroys. For many of us, we remember the words that were spoken to us still have absolutely devastated us. Spoken years ago that we still carry today. And God's saying, listen, when you guys are in relationship to one another, because you're going to carry my name well, don't speak badly. You will murder each other. Do not commit adultery. A couple weeks ago, we looked at the boundaries because no one ever goes to a marriage ceremony and says, I'm going to betray you one day. We have to put boundaries in in order that we don't walk down that path. Do not steal. Do not lie. Pastor Patricia did do not lie last week. Talked about that there's an enemy of our soul. He's known as the father of what? Father of lies. And we either live into that image or the image of God, our creator. Whose image are you living into and out of every single day? And then lastly, we're going to look at do not covet. And I think number 10 is an interesting one for a couple reasons. Number one, there's the Jewish rabbi system or their belief system. And I bring that up because Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. Our Savior was a Jewish rabbi, meaning a Jewish teacher. And it's, it's their belief that if you can get number 10 right, one through nine will fall into place if you can get number 10 right. What's also interesting about this is this is a commandment that happens here and here. We have no idea if the people sitting around us right now are coveting. It happens in your heart and in your mind. It's a little, a little more difficult to spot this one in someone's life. And what's also interesting about this commandment, this one comes with a list of things we ought not to covet. Most of these are pretty straightforward. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. They're very simple. But this one comes with a list. So we want to turn with me. Turn to the second book in the Older Testament. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17 is where you're going to find this commandment. And we're going to look this morning at this list. If you got your tablet with you or your phone, Exodus 20, verse 17. And it'll be on the screen for you as well. Here's what this commandment says. You shall not, what friends? Covet your neighbor's house. You must not, what again? Covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. So let's look at this list in a little more, a different form here. This is really the summation of it. Do not covet your neighbor's house, spouse, servant, ox, donkey. And then it's like the writer was just like, okay, anything else, just don't covet what they have. They, he got tired or something, right? But here's the list. Have you ever coveted a house? It's interesting that that's number one on the list right away. It says you shall not covet your neighbor's house. Have you ever coveted a house? Some of you are like, I have now, thanks. But what aspects of a house would you covet? All right, I'll go first with my example. Here's my example. I covet that. <laughs> Look at the gorgeous view. The pool that goes right into this nice 
hot tub and how the exterior flows into the interior. Oh, it's just absolutely stunning and beautiful. I covet beautiful backyards. I love them. I want to be there now. (laughs) But what do you covet? Do you covet that master suite that's acres big? You covet that garage or that man cave? Do you covet that woman cave? I don't know what they call it, but that, that room for women. I'm not going to go there. My wife's here. I'm not. <clears throat> but I'll tell you what else I covet. Location. This is in Chicago, the Gold Coast of Chicago, and Lake Michigan is just right over there. You sit on this porch right here. You are a half, a, or I guess a half a mile away from 10 coffee shops. I could do some serious Bible reading here. It's beautiful. And yet, here's a list of what the writer tells us don't covet your house and your spouse. Don't covet spouse because for many of us we say, I want that house and maybe if I had that spouse, I would get that house. Little Dr. Seuss this morning. (laughs) And for others of us, we're like, I just, maybe my spouse should work out just a little bit more so they look like that spouse, that I desire that physical attraction. And the writer goes on and says, don't just covet the house or spouse. Don't cover, covet your neighbor's male and female servant. Back in the day, you wanted the most trustworthy servant possible for your household. And if you were at your house and you had un- untrustworthy servants and you looked at your neighbor and said, I wish I had that. Because I can't trust my male or female servants. The writer says, don't even covet your neighbor's servant. In fact, don't covet their ox. You shouldn't even covet their ox. So when your ox are getting old and your neighbor has the young ox and they're plowing the field so much quicker than you and now you have to wake up earlier and you stay up later because your ox are old and they get to sleep in. They get to wake up at 10 and you're up at 6. They're done by 3 and you're still working at 8 o'clock at night. Their ox are better. The writer says, don't covet that. And don't covet the donkey just because you've got an old donkey that can only carry 40 pounds of grain. And you've got to make so many more trips back and forth with that donkey. And your neighbor's donkey's young, and it can carry 80 pounds of grain. It's cutting their trips in half. You're sitting there going, it's not fair. I want that. The writer says, don't covet that. In fact, don't covet anything your neighbor has. I sit there and look at that list and I sit there and say, why do we have to have a list? Why can't you just say, hey, don't covet. Just enjoy what you have. Why do you have to have a list? And I think one possibility is we're so good at comparing ourselves to others. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't compare. Your other neighbor needs to hear that too, so tell them, don't compare. Did anyone teach us how to compare ourselves to other people? No. Just 
become so natural that we compare ourselves to other people. And every time we compare ourselves to someone else, we will lose out every single time. Because when we think people have it better than us, we get bitter. We get bitter that they have it, and I don't. So we get bitter. And I think we have to ask ourselves three questions if we ever find ourselves coveting something that someone else has. I'm going to go back to this picture because I just lose everyone here anyways. So this is a oh, Who wouldn't want to be here? This is stunning. But three questions if you find yourself coveting, and I'll use mine as an example. Here's the first one. Do you feel less? Do you feel less because you don't have that thing? Does your self-esteem just absolutely shrink and your bucket is empty because you wanted that thing? And you feel less inside. And you wish you had that because you think that will fill me up. Ask the question, do you feel less? There's a second question we have to ask ourselves with coveting is this. Do you have any resentment? Do you have resentment for the person that has it that you don't have it? You get angry. God, I work in your ministry leading people to Jesus and I don't have that. And these people probably aren't even believers or whatever and they get it and I don't. And I'm mad at them. We can get mad at people who have it when we don't. But we can get mad at God as well. Because we feel slighted by God. And we don't think God is a fair gift giver. God, I dedicated my life towards you. And why don't I have all this stuff? Why do they have it and I don't? How many of you like go-karts? Like go-karts? I love go-karts. I turn into a monster when I get into one. Like different beasts comes out of me. And two weeks ago, my family and I were in Grand Rapids at Craig's Cruisers. It's just this awesome place of eating and arcade and go-karts and go-putt-putt. It's just awesome. And uh, my boss was treating a couple pastors to that, so we made our trip up on a Tuesday night. And we, they have indoor and outdoor go-karts which is like, yes, two different tracks. And when I get into a go-kart, I just push the gas pedal all the way down, never touch the brake. You know, it's just like, it's go, right? I'm Jeff Gordon out there, and I'm going to win. I get in a go-kart, and I said, I, I will beat you. Like there, I will run you into the wall if I have to. I'm not nice. So I, there's a hairpin turn, right? Like a hairpin turn, and I, I get, I don't touch the brake. I'm Gas pedal all the way to the floor and turning around these turns, drifting, you know, thinking I'm so awesome, beating all these kids. And, <laughs> and what's great was this is the first time my daughter is now tall enough to ride her, my oldest, Olivia, is tall enough to ride her own go-kart. My son, who's eight, is tall enough to ride his own go-kart. We just had to, my wife and I had to have our youngest, Gabby, with us. We had just switched on and off. And I'm sitting there flying through this track, or at least I'm thinking I'm flying, passing everyone. And my son is like putting along. Like I'm lapping him and lapping him. And I'm like, son, I pulled up to him and said, just put the gas all the way down and go. Don't even touch the brake. It's not worth it. Just gas it. 
And he started to, and he was still a little hesitant, you know, and I'm passing him, and we get done. And I said, hey, you didn't listen to me. Pedal all the way down and just go, all right? I'm doing like any dad would, encourage him, like, hey, you're just doing it wrong. Do it my way. Gas all the way down. So we go again. We go again, and I'm, I'm flying again, passing all the kids. And uh, I did that hairpin turn, drifted, never touching the brake, and I make my way back around the course. And as soon as I'm coming to that hairpin turn, I notice my son crashed straight into the wall. And when you crash, they shut down all the go-karts so then the people can come out and restart his go-kart. And my go-kart then just kind of putted around the corner and it ended up right next to him. I said, you're not doing it right. He said, Dad, it's too fast. I can't hold the car around those turns. I said, hold on tight, get that thing going, and let's go, all right? Words of encouragement from Father. And here we go. And we got done, and he still, he kind of went fast, and then he, I didn't, he T-boned me another time. And as soon as he T-boned me, the, the, again, go-kart shut off after any wreck. The person comes out, and my son says, he did it. <laughs> he just blames me. I said, that's racing. And anyways, we get done, and he says, Dad, as soon as we get off the course, he says, Dad, I don't think I'm ready to drive yet. <laughs> I said, you're a wise eight-year-old. You're not. But how irresponsible would it be as a father to give my son my van keys and say, son, go ahead, drive us home on 131, you can do it. It would be so irresponsible. And it would be so destructive to him and my family if I did that. I wonder if sometimes God's saying, I want your heart and there's things I'm going to give you, but you're not ready yet. Say, God, I want it now. They get it and I don't. And your heavenly father is saying, because maybe it's too destructive for you right now. Your heart isn't ready for it yet. I'm just holding it until your heart is ready for it. But in that whole process of waiting, we can get resentment against God. They have it and I don't. The third question we have to ask ourselves is this. Do you feel full, whole, and enough? Turn to your neighbor and ask him that question this morning, all right? Do you feel full, whole, and enough? You have to ask that question. Because for many of us, coveting is that small whisper of a voice that says, why them and not me? Why do they get it and I don't get it? And oftentimes we'll let the things that we want try to fulfill us and make us whole and feel like it's enough. This past week we went to, uh, I took the staff over to Buchanan, Michigan and to St. Joe, Michigan and we had a retreat as a staff with our spouses. And I just did some leadership principles with us. We just got away for a couple days and we do this every year. And in the process, I was sitting there constantly thinking of this message, trying to be present with our team, but trying to prep for this message as well. And I'm sitting here thinking, but what is it we're looking for when we covet things? What is it? And it dawned on me. I think it's peace. We want peace, we want rest. 
Because we are in a go, go, go world. And we look and compare ourselves to other people and see that they have things that we don't. And they look at peace. And I, in my life, do not look at peace. And we look at things that we covet. And we think these things are saying this to us. Come to me, all who are weary and carry heaven burdens, and I will give you rest. We think the things are saying that to us. If I had that, they look at rest. I desire peace in my heart. I need this. But in reality, these are the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It's Jesus that says, no, 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 no. It's not all the things that you want that will give you peace. It's only me. Only the one who went to the cross for you can ever fulfill the peace that you are desiring inside. And if we're going to crush this 10th commandment, if we're going to live out, do not covet in our lives, we need to do it with this. Crush coveting with what, friends? One more time. Crush coveting with what? Crush it with contentment. I love what Paul, uh, uh, yeah, Paul writes to the church in Philippi in Philippians. He says this. He says, I found contentment, and he's in a jail cell. And he said, how? And he says, it's not all the things. I've, I've been full. I've been hungry. I've been all those things, but I found contentment. And if you look back a couple verses, you realize in Philippians chapter 4, he says he found the peace of God in his life. You have to crush coveting with contentment. But Ryan, what is contentment? Contentment has nothing to do with what's in our hands. It has nothing to do with the things that we have or the things that we want. If that car or that promotion or that spouse and that house and whatever it has nothing to do with what's in our hands. But what's in our what, friends? But contentment matters is what's in our heart. It's what comes out of our heart. This past week, as I was wrestling with my own thoughts on this, I realized one thing. Above anything else, it's Jesus. I've got all the contentment I need right here. I have freedom, I have full, abundant life that Jesus promises. I have forgiveness, I have grace, I have mercy. I have everything I need right here. And my prayer for you if you're a follower of Jesus is that you would find even more and come alive and even find more contentment in who Jesus is. And if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, you're kicking those tires around about who this God is that we worship. My heart and prayer is that you would just take one step closer to finding out who Jesus is. Take the world, but give me Jesus. You can have it all. Our identity is found here. Not in what we want and not in the things that we desire or the things that we covet. You find your identity here. You take this and take your identity to the things that you have. Your car doesn't own you. Your house doesn't own you. Your career doesn't own you. 
You tell those things who you are and say, I'm a follower of Jesus. That is who I am first and only in my life. This other stuff, you're just an asset to what I have. But first and foremost, it's Jesus in my life. So you pick up whatever it is at your, home, at your house and you look at it and say, you do not own me. I will not covet you. I bring my identity of who I am in Jesus to you. And lastly, my prayer for all of us is we unpack, do not covet. My prayer is that every single day when you wake up, that you don't wake up wishing you were someone else or had all this other stuff, but that you wake up every single morning satisfied who you are in Jesus Christ. That the way you are is who God created you to be. Be the best you. And be satisfied with what God has given you. Knowing this is all I need in my life. Why don't we stand? We're going to sing a song, but as you stand, I want to pray for us as we lead into this next song. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I know that there are so many times, and I confess this in my own life, that I, I covet things. I, look, I compare myself, and I'm just so good at that. Compare myself to other people and say, I'm not that, or I wish I had that. And I'm sure for many of us in a room like this, there's many of us who are there as well. Jesus, I pray that we would live into our identity of you, knowing when we have you, we have everything we could ever ask for. And God, if there's things in our lives that we're wanting so bad and we have resentment and bitterness towards you, would you give us a spirit of just softness and contentment knowing maybe you're withholding because it's just not good for us right now. Would you give us that spirit of peace and just a spirit to respond to that in a joyful way. And Jesus, I pray this morning, that you would absolutely be our obsession in life. Not our marriages, not our spouses, not our kids, not our careers, not our, our cars, not the vacations we take, but you. Be our obsession, Jesus. Hey, is there anybody in this house who's following Jesus and is not turning back? Is there anybody in this place? Amen. Amen. Man, this message, this one was a hard one for me, that word contentment. I used to spend my whole life filling my life with all these different things, and it never filled up. I follow Jesus, and I'm not turning back. I want to share some of Jesus' words for you before you leave. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or what your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than that? So let's wrestle with that word contentment. We're going to wrap up our series next week. I don't know how we do 10 things in 11 weeks, but you got to come back next week. Bring a friend. I think lives are going to be transformed next week. Invite a friend. See you guys next week.